Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this awesome day. Father, we thank you for Holy Spirit who indwells each and every one of us who confess and believe you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your great love and we ask that you would pour your love into our hearts. Spirit, we ask that you would illumine your word, bring encouragement and comfort and strength, conviction, bring healing the way you did during the life of Paul, that you would glorify the name, the precious name of Jesus, our Father's one and only Son, so that he is glorified in everything that we say and do. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. It is a joy and pleasure seeing all of you today. I always wonder sometimes, especially on Sundays like this, what is wrong with these first four benches here in the front and middle? I don't spit that far. So, you know, like guys in the back, do I, Brett? Okay, all right, all right, my bad. No, I am just teasing. My name is Doug Jones, and I'm the campus and teaching pastor. But sometimes it feels like you guys are so far away. So I might come down on the steps a bit. Am I still on the camera there, Chris and Hunter? And uh, good, all right, cool. We are going through our summer Sundays life is better in 5G. And we've been talking about some of the Gs. And last week we had such a full service that I skipped one. But we've looked at gathering, the importance of gathering together like this. We've looked at giving, and we've talked quite a bit this this year just on tithes and offerings. And Johnny, good job these past several Sundays just on the offertory about giving and why we give and just the whole point, an act of worship. It's all God's anyway, to honor him, trust, hope, faith, and it's for his glory. So we've talked about gathering. We've talked about giving We've talked about groups and the importance in being in small groups. We cannot do this Christian life by ourselves. And there's a Christian song back in the 70s, me and Jesus doing our own thing. Whew, it had a nice little tune, but the theology is terrible because it's not just me and Jesus or you and Jesus. It's us and Jesus not doing our own thing. We're doing his thing. So we're called to be in groups. Today, we're going to look at going, and I'm going to weave gospel conversations into going today. So that's number four, number five, going and gospel conversations. And this passage right here, Romans, we're going to look at it today. We're going to look at it next week. Now, next next week is Spanish Sunday, Domingo en Español. If you've got friends, neighbors who speak Spanish, the service will be in Spanglish, as you guys know. Translated and everything. And Wayne's going to translate this next week. He doesn't know it yet, but we're going to ask him to be the trans. No, I'm just teasing. But today we're going to talk about going to the nations. Next week, we're going to talk about going to our neighborhoods. Going. And we're going to talk a whole lot about what we call global workers, missionaries, and the importance of that. And I'll just say right now, from this church over the past eight years, we've sent out 18 family units to the mission field. Some have gone for a year or two. Some have come back. back. One of the first ones to go, father was pastor here when this sanctuary was built, Vicki Waters. She's with Jesus now. But I'll never forget when we were in the chapel, my first couple months here, when she came up to the front bawling at the end of the service wanting prayer because God was calling her back to her home, which was in Africa and Nigeria. And she went back and served in Africa for several years. Global workers. 
There are several of us who've been on the field and we've been back to the States. But we're going to talk about the importance of going because today there are 2.4 billion, that's with a B, billion people who are living on this planet who've never even heard the name Jesus. And if they haven't heard his name, how can they call on his name? And if they don't call on his name, how can they be saved? Think about it. And I hope I'm making you feel real guilty. No. But I pray for conviction because all of us are called to go. Some of us will physically go, but we all have a part in going to the nations to make disciples. Clear as mud? All right, today, going, gospel conversations. I've got a hunting story for you. My dad was a general vascular surgeon, and he has shared with me, and he's in heaven now, so I can't confirm this story. It might be one of those fish stories, you know, where you catch a three-pound bass, but after about 20 years, it was a 13-pound bass, you know? So, but I believe this is a true story. When he was at the emergency room on call over a weekend, some guy came into the emergency room, a hunter, and there was a horrible accident. This hunter was shot, and it was an emergency And with one bullet, both kneecaps and both of his elbows were shot off by one shot. Dear honey, what in the world happened? Well, he was out there in the cold. When you go deer hunting, you need to wear orange. He had to go use it, go to the bathroom. So he had to kind of halfway undress. And as he's sitting there with his elbows on his knees... Some other hunter thought he was a deer and shot him. And that one bullet went right through both knees and both kneecaps. That hunter who shot the shot comes up thinking he's going to find a deer. And there's a man he shot. So they rush him to the hospital. Now that's a true story. But when you go hunting, and if you've ever been hunting, there's this phrase about marksmanship. And you've probably seen it if you've seen the movie The Patriot. When Mel Gibson, who's the father, when his oldest son is captured and his second son was killed by the British, and so he takes his two other younger boys, and they're going to go try to rescue the son who was captured. And he tells his boys, boys, you remember what I told you about hunting, what I taught you about hunting? And the two boys said, yeah, aim small, miss small. So here's a picture in that movie, and we're not going to watch it. Okay, if you've never seen The Patriot, pretty violent. It's got a pretty powerful message to it, though. But aim small, miss small. What it is, if you ever go shooting bow and arrow or a gun, if you just kind of halfway look at the target and shoot, well, you, you might miss. But if you aim at the very bullseye of the target, and you focus on that target, the very smallest, the red part of the target, and that's your focus. And let's say you shoot... You might miss the red part. You aim small, but if you aim small, you're going to miss small. But if you just kind of half-heartedly just kind of, oh, boom, we'll see if we hit or not. It's the same like in basketball, shooting a free throw. If you're shooting a free throw, you just kind of, oh, chunk it up there, whatever, you'll miss. But if you aim and look at the target, at at the hoop, at the goal, and you shoot the basketball, if you aim small, you're going to miss small. There's a verse here, and if I want to invite you guys to please stand up again. There's a, a verse here that I want to read, and I want to focus on it quite a bit here. It comes from, ooh, I lost my notes. My aim, and this is Paul right here, verse 20. 
In verse 20, Paul says this, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Read it again in verse 20. My aim, say aim. My aim is to what? Preach the gospel where it has not been proclaimed. All right, you may have a seat. Aim, we've all been created for a purpose. Everything we have, this microphone was created for a purpose. This piano was created for a purpose. These pews were for created for a purpose. Your smartphone, which makes it, I think the purpose of smartphones is to make people dumb. Everything's been created for a purpose. We have an aim in life. And we get a glimpse in this chapter right here from Romans. And I'm going to share the context because it's a lot right here. Most theologians believe that Paul wrote this letter, the letter to the Romans, the Roman church, not the Roman Catholic church, but the Roman church during his third missionary journey. Paul went on three missionary journeys. The first one was him and Barnabas with John Mark out of Antioch. And Antioch was kind of their launching city. And they traveled all throughout what is modern-day Turkey and Greece. They crossed over to Yugoslavia in their second or no, their second missionary journey. But they traveled all throughout the eastern side of the Roman Empire. And Paul talks about it right here. And we see here in Paul's aim in verse 20, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. They've only been in this tiny fraction, this tiny section of the entire Roman Empire. And Chris, if you don't mind putting the map on just so we can see it. But during Paul's third missionary journey, as he's in Corinth, which up here, and this is actually, I think, in Spanish, I think. Sorry, guys. He's over where modern-day Turkey is in the city of Corinth. He writes the letter, this letter to the Roman church. And he gives it. Most theologians believe that he gave it to a lady named Phoebe, who is from Rome. She was a leader in the church. And he sends the letter to the Romans by the hands of Phoebe to the Roman church. Why is Paul doing that? Well, he explains it right here. We're going to go through it line by line and point by point. But Paul's desire is to get all the way over to Spain, España. Why? We'll look at it. But Paul knows that you're traveling by foot, maybe by horse, maybe by boat. It's not like us today. But he knows that he's got, he wants to get all the way over to Spain. Why? What is Paul's aim? What is he shooting for? What is he shooting at? What is his desire? What is God's call on his life? And unfortunately, just like that hunter who shot that other hunter through the knees and elbows, just like those two kids in that movie, aim small, miss small. If we have a sharp focus of why we live, we'll hit it. If we know what God has called us to and why we exist, we exist for God's glory. We exist to follow and obey the great commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor. And we fulfill the great commission. All of us have different assignments in life. None of us are the same. If there were two Dugs on this planet, one of them is in risk of being irrelevant. 
Because we only need one. None of us are the same. And we each have a call on our lives. And that might change from year to year, decade to decade. We'll have different responsibilities in our life as we grow and as God matures us. But what is your aim? What has God called you to be? Not do, because we're human beings. So here we have Paul. He's in Corinth. He says here he's going to Jerusalem. But he wants to get to Rome because he wants to get to Spain. So there are three takeaways in this passage right here. Three things that we're going to look at. The first one is gospel conversations. The second one is taking the gospel to the nations. And the third one is partnership and prayer. All right, back up to verse 18 right here real quick. And I won't make you guys stand unless you plan on eating cheesecake for lunch. You might want to stand and sit a couple of times, burn those calories up, okay? Verse 18, this is what Paul says for God's people. He says, for I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the gospel. Right there, we already get a glimpse of Paul's humility. I'm not going to brag about me. I'm going to brag about what Christ has done in and through me, what he has accomplished through word and through deed. And then he goes on to say, by the powers of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. See, Paul, it's, for him, it's all about Jesus. Now, Paul isn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. He was impatient. He was a hothead from time to time. Okay? That's the way Paul was. He was more of a doer, not a beer. But he loved to proclaim and he loved to bring great glory to Jesus. So he's writing to the Roman church. By the way, this is one of the greatest theological letters ever written. The first 11 chapters of Romans is all about theology. If you love to go deep, go deep in Romans 1 through 11. Chapter 12 through 16 is Christian living. How does your theology live out? How does it play out in practical Christian living? Chapter 15 and 16 in this whole section of Christian living is basically Paul's purpose for coming to Rome and his salutations of saying hi and goodbye to a gazillion people in Rome. Paul had never been to Rome, but he knew a lot of the Christians in Rome. And he is telling them right here, all I want to talk about is what God has done in and through me for the glory and praise of Jesus. Verse 19, this is, well, verse 20, sorry. Well, no, verse 19, sorry. He says this, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit, as a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been proclaimed or named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Well, that's kind of weird, because let's be honest. Paul went on three missionary journeys. He planted numerous churches in Galatia and Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Corinth and Athens. If you read the book of Acts, he planted numerous churches in a lot of big cities. But for Paul to say here, I don't have any more work here. I don't want to build on anyone else's foundation. Well, I would question that, say like, wait, Paul, you're telling me that everyone in the eastern side of where you've been have heard the gospel so far? And he he would say, no. But there's enough churches that can make disciples who make disciples. I don't want to stay here anymore because there's enough believers here who can do that. God has called me to go places where they've never heard of Jesus before. 
And if you've never heard of Jesus, how can you believe in Jesus? And if you don't believe in Jesus, you are dead in your sins and destined for hell forever. That is the truth. It's not politically correct. It sounds intolerant, but that is reality. And Paul knows it. And the church has just started. West of Rome, there is no gospel presence during Paul's life. None. Zero. This morning in our Summer Sundays class gathering, we talked with two of our our global workers. They use fake names because they're in a dangerous country. And if they're ever found out, they'll be kicked out at the least. They live in a city of over 2 million people. Guess how many Christians live in that city? Less than 100. Do the math. It's illegal to proselytize, share your faith where they live. Am I making sense? So Paul is saying, my aim is to go where Christ has not been preached. And then he gets in here in verse 22. That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you, but now I no longer have any work to do in these regions. And I have strongly desired for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain. The first thing is gospel conversations. What is a gospel conversation? We got a very simple definition. A gospel conversation is sharing the good news of Jesus with the lost and searching and trusting the Holy Spirit with the results. So it's sharing with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. Someone who might be searching and very open, but they've never put their faith in Jesus. Or it could be someone who's never even heard the name of Jesus. And it's sharing about who Jesus is. This is the gospel. God has created all things. And all things are good. And he's created every human, every man and woman who's ever lived, whoever will live in his image. That means it's glorious. Every human is a precious soul who will live forever. But here's the bad news. And most of you know this. Every human has sinned and has fallen short of God's glory. And the Bible says that when even when we're born, we're born sinners, we're born dead in our sin and trespasses. We're actually born enemies of God and we're prisoners of Satan. And our destiny when we die physically is a spiritual death for all eternity, separated from God and hell. That is the truth of the gospel. There is no second chance. We don't get into heaven because we're good. We don't get into heaven because we're better than everybody else. God demands perfection and holiness. He requires it. And no one can make it. God is also love. Not by the definition of our culture today, where I just want you to be happy, do whatever you want, and I'll support you. That is not love. That's actually indifference which is one of the worst hard attitudes we could ever have towards somebody. Love is a commitment, a 100% total commitment for the well-being of another person. And that person who loves another will do everything in their power for the well-being of another person. They will humble themselves, get up under that person, and lift them up for their well-being. Sometimes it requires tough love, sacrificial love, a giving love. 
And that love flows from God himself. And because God loves the world, he gave his one and only son, Jesus, who is God in the flesh. Jesus voluntarily came down as a human yet perfect, and he took the punishment of the sins of the whole world, not just yours, not just mine, but also the 8 billion people that live on this planet now and the other hundreds of millions who've already lived on this planet. He took our punishment. He died on the cross for our sin. He was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins and adopted as his sons and daughters and be with him forever. That is glorious news. Have you ever received a gift? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But I think most of us have probably been given a gift in life, a birthday present, a Christmas present, something. We don't deserve those gifts, but we're given those gifts. I'm sure most of us have probably given gifts, and it feels really good to give a gift. The greatest gift we could ever receive is by putting our faith in Jesus. God has given us Jesus, and this is the gospel. But it doesn't just stop right there. You put your faith in Jesus, and God adopts you as his father and as his daughter or his son. He's forgiven you completely. He gives you his Holy Spirit who then indwells us. And God then begins to touch us and transform us and make us into the very image of Jesus. This is all part of the gospel. It's nothing we do except receive it and surrender to it and say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Like we sang earlier today, I am yours. You are mine. I will follow you. I will look to you. I will cling to you, but give me the strength and faith to walk on water. That comes from Peter. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come. All right, come. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and he holds us in his hands. And he doesn't take back our salvation. It's his salvation. He gives it. And once we're his, we're his. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Regardless of what we do. We are his forever. And it's glorious and it's amazing. But the gospel doesn't stop there. He then commissions us to go out into the world in this very dark world to share the light and love of Jesus to actually be what's called a Christian, which means little Christ. So that when people see us, they should, they should see Jesus shining in our light, in our lives, our words and our actions. And then it's the Holy spirit job to open doors so that we have gospel conversations where we share with others who Jesus is, what Jesus has done on the cross in the grave, rising from the dead and what Jesus has done in our lives. We can share that whole story, or it might just be one tiny 30-second snippet. We don't have to convince them. We don't have to shove it down their throat. But we love and we serve and we get up under them. It might take 45 years for that person to come to know Jesus. It might be in the checkout line, and bam, right there it happens. We might be one tiny little connection. I'll never forget, about a month ago, I was at the gym up here in 1440, and this young lady came jumping on the treadmill next to me. And she used to work there. We talked, ooh, once or twice. Tiny, tiny, tiny gospel conversations. And she said, I knew you'd be here today. I quit working here, but I wanted you to know I'm getting baptized in June. And I know you're pastor because she always called me pastor. She actually called me pasta, P-A-S-T-A, pasta. 
And she goes, I knew you'd be here at this hour. Isn't that right, Chuck? 11 a.m., we're there almost every day, right? Yep. And I just wanted you to know that I'm getting baptized in June. And this is way back in May. I, I was so sweaty. I was like, I'll give you a hug, but I'm sweaty, and they probably don't want my sweat. I mean, I shared very little about Jesus to her. This is God working. Gospel conversations. All of us are called to share the good news of Jesus, letting Holy Spirit deal with the results. The second takeaway, taking the gospel to the nations. Paul, and we're going to have to go quick. Paul wanted to get to Spain because back during Paul's day, there was no gospel presence in Spain. And he knew he needed a new base to launch to. His first base was Antioch. Enough churches have been planted all throughout the east around the Mediterranean and modern-day Turkey and Greece. Paul was like, I'm running out of space because my aim is to share the gospel where Jesus is not proclaimed and named. I need to get to Spain where there is no gospel presence. I need to get up to the Roman church and they will help launch me to get to Spain to take the gospel to that part of the Roman world. Why? Because there are people in that area in Spain who've never heard the name of Jesus. If they've never heard the name of Jesus, how can they believe in Jesus? And if they don't believe in Jesus, their destiny is hell forever. And it's not because God is an ugly, hateful ogre. It's the reality of our sin and our wickedness that we so deserve. Yet because of God's great mercy and grace, he now commissions those of us who believe in Jesus to go. To go. So taking the gospel to the nations. The third one is partnership and prayer. And we're going to stand for this one. Y'all, please stand up because Paul is telling them here, he's like, look, I'd love to get to where you guys are now, but I'm taking money that we've collected from all the churches in Macedonia and Achaia and Galatia, and we're going down to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem they're being persecuted and they're in great poverty because there's an incredible famine and they need our financial support. That is one of the reasons we give. Hank and Annie, who many of you know, are up in Minnesota visiting a church today because they have to raise financial support to live overseas. They'll be here next week, and then they're going back over. So that's what Paul is saying. I got to go to Jerusalem first, but I'm coming back. But then, have you ever been voluntold to do something? Who here has been voluntold? All right. Johnny might volunteer you to help be an usher one day. Say yes, okay? Right here. Verse 28, so when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on my way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and that by God's will, I may come to you with joy. I'm going to stop right there. Paul is pleading to the Roman church, pray for me. If you know the story in Acts, Paul gets to Jerusalem, what happens? He's arrested. He's in jail. He's taken under arrest by the Romans all the way to Rome, where he stays in jail for a couple of years. It makes me wonder what would happen if the Roman church never prayed. 
Paul finally got to Rome, but not the way he thought. According to tradition, well, Rome, uh, Acts stops with Paul still in prison. Acts chapter 28. According to the tradition, he was released and got to Spain. Came back to Rome and was arrested and then beheaded. That's most likely what happened. But Paul is saying, look, I'm coming. And when I come to you with joy and be refreshed together, Paul is telling them, look, I'm coming. And I'm going to volunteer you guys to support me to get to Spain. That's basically what he's saying. We're going to partner to get the gospel to unreached people groups. All right, y'all have a seat. Taking the gospel to the nations. The third point is this, partnership and prayer. And it kind of bleeds into that second point. We cannot do this gospel work by ourselves. Next Sunday is Spanish Sunday. It's going to be a full Sunday because we actually have two missionary units. One is here just for a short time. It's their last Sunday with us before they go back. And then we have the incredible privilege for praying over Wes and Tamara. I'm still kind of angry at Jesus a little bit. You know, he gives and takes away. We'll be commissioning them too. As they go back to a certain undisclosed place as global workers. I shared this earlier. I love this, the fact that we're part of Brentwood Baptist. In our little church at Woodbine, I shared 18 family units over the past eight years. Currently, there are nine on the field right now. There are two that had just two families that have three family units that have just come back over the two months. They have finished their assignment. One lives in Alabama. One lives in Indiana. The other couple right now are living in our missionary house. Andre just left. Wes and Tamara are getting ready to go. We have three college students overseas right now on summer mission. God stirs in the heart of Woodbine missions. That's why we have these flags. It's to celebrate the nations. God is bringing the nations here to Nashville, yes. But we need to go. Lois is in college in Scotland. She studies there, but she's on mission as she goes. My son's in Guatemala studying Spanish on mission. We are called to go. And it doesn't matter if you're 88 years old today, if God is calling you to go, let's figure out a way to get you to go. If you're a young teenager, Lorna, and God is calling you to go, your parents might say, finish high school first, and then we'll let you go. But there are incredible ways to get young people on the field if it's for a week, a summer, a year. The need is great, and we can't do it by ourselves. We need men and women to gather around us, prayer support, financial support. There are numerous mission journeys that we take as a big church family of Brentwood Baptist. Hannah Mean just got back from Brazil, right? Was I allowed to say that? Yes. Lauren just left yesterday to go to Guatemala. Sorry, I just said it anyway, right? There's a pamphlet, it's not 100% accurate, on the back of those two tables that talk all about our, our mission journeys for the year. We're going to Seattle at the end or beginning of September, partnering with Harpeth Heights. It might already be full, but if you want to go. There are numerous ways to get involved. I just grabbed three prayer cards. We have prayer cards of all of our global workers 
on that back table. They need our prayers every day. Prayers, I can't tell you how powerful prayers work. We, I'm not going to thump us on praying, but we rarely pray the way we should and need to because we just don't believe it. The most praying man on the planet was Jesus himself. And if the perfect son of the father spent hours every day with his father, how much more so us who are just leaky buckets? There is power in prayer. And we talk a whole lot about prayer. Do we really pray? Almost every Monday morning, three, five of us gather in the chapel at 7 a.m. to pray. Join us for a couple minutes if you can. At 10.30 every Sunday morning, we're right here praying over here at Next Steps. Join us for a few minutes. But we need to fan the flame of praying for our global workers. So before you leave today, I'm going to volunteer all of y'all, empty out the prayer card station over there. Half of these people, it's not even the real names because they live in countries where it's illegal to share the gospel of Jesus. If I'm not mistaken, I believe there's 41 families within the Brentwood family that are global workers. 11 come from this little church. Every last one who's in a closed country comes from this church. That is glorious, not because we're Woodbine, but because of Jesus and Holy Spirit. We are called to go. We hate saying goodbye, but it's worth it. So what's your response? Worship team, I want to invite you up. As we close, I want to invite everyone to please stand. What is your response? If you are sensing God's call to go, you can talk with me, you can talk with Johnny, you can talk with Amanda, you can talk with Lauren, with Miss Alanka. We would love to get you in that pipeline. Yeah, it'll hurt to say goodbye, but it's worth it. Isn't that right, Richard and Mary? Isn't that right, Tamara? Yes, it's hard, but it's worth it every last moment. As former global workers, Christy and I could tell you, our kids could tell you, we had people pray for us and pray for us. They never gave us a dime. But that prayer support, the emails, the notes, the care packages we get in the mail were awesome. We had one super old lady in my home church. She gave 10 bucks a month for 19 and a half years. Her faithful support meant much more than the thousands of dollars we'd get from other churches or other people. That constant faithful support. So if you can't go, get plugged in to support those who are going. And finally, to close, we talked a lot about the gospel today. If you have not put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't wait. He loves you. The Father longs to forgive you. And he's inviting you. Put your faith in Jesus and you will be adopted as his son, as his daughter. If you've not done that, We have people over here at Next Steps up front, and it'll require boldness to come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Today is the day to come home to our Heavenly Father forever. 
Let us worship him.